You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings to you all, you fantastic bunch of podcasties. Excellent to be back with you. Sorry it took so long. Welcome to episode 32, a week early, a ninja episode creeping up on you in the dead of night and playing with nunchucks. So much has happened since I spoke to you last. How about a bulletin? Podpals meetup in York results in handsome man convention. I was honoured to be present at a gathering of podcasting supermodels in York during March, where representatives from Weekly Geek Speak, the JT Movie Podcast, A History of Misunderstanding, and myself, all... Enough typing. Why are you typing? And myself all crammed around the table of a bar and basically made the place a lot prettier while simultaneously trying not to be shocked at how much our faces didn't match our voices. Obviously, we were all a lot more attractive than we'd supposed. Obviously. Big thanks especially to Smokey and Stephen, who took care of a very inebriated me during the weekend and who thoroughly deserve to be top of the flipping iTunes charts for the amount of work they do. Rush and subscribe to A History of Misunderstanding before it becomes uncool to do so. The Secret History of Hollywood, no longer a secret. There's more. So the Attaboy Clarence spin-off podcast, The Secret History of Hollywood, now has more subscribers than Attaboy Clarence, due, no doubt, to the fact that iTunes featured it during March. Thank you, iTunes. You ugly, hard-to-use, slow-to-load, inappropriately named slice of heaven. Seriously, what are you typing? UKpodcasters.com names Attaboy Clarence as featured podcast during March. Very honoured to be chosen as a featured podcast by UK podcasters who do superlative work for um, UK podcasters. Many thank yous and glass chinkings to those guys. The Adventures of Alfred Hitchcock Part 1, finished and released. So the first part of my look into the life of Alfred Hitchcock is now out there. The next part will be out in the summer. If you haven't grabbed it yet, go and do so. Many of you already have and have been in touch to tell me what you thought and I'm humbled by your messages. Thank you so very much. I shall be thanking you properly later on in the show. I think he's writing a novel. What have you got draped over your arm? Falconer's glove. Oh, a new pair of curtains. Oh, sorry, didn't see you there, Margaret. I was just showing them to someone. Oh, let's see them. Well, you can look, but don't touch. Rayon curtains are scarce as bobby pins these days. Oh, I won't hurt them. Maybe not, but the only thing that can touch these curtains is pure, gentle ivory flakes. Are uh, ivory flakes freshly shaved from an elephant? Are they? I'm gentle. 
And pure. <laughs> you win. <laughs> Good God. Do you two want to be alone? Friends, ivory flakes are really gentle. So mild. They help even delicate rayon curtains stay lovely. Wash tests were made on so many things. Rayon curtains, of course, and all kinds of clothes. Rayon blouses, rayon sweaters, rayon slacks. Lingerie, rayon dresses. So, rayon, then. Why, when you wash clothes the wrong way, the things that can happen, very often they'll fade, or the materials give way, or the seams will fray out. I know, right? friend of mine didn't wash his denim jacket at the right temperature. Two years later, he gets run over by a bus. Not to mention the water pipes might burst and the house caving. <laughs> Ed, I'm serious. <laughs> I'll say you were. Mine was funnier than Ed's, by the way. Well, it's a serious business, this making things last. I know. We've all got to these days. Ed, you look like a potato. So, friends, for your nice clothes... Use ivory flakes. Yes, thank you. Incidentally, uh, strain tests oh were God, made. They more. showed rayons washed in ivory flakes lasted twice as long as stockings washed with the wrong kind of soap. And now, back to vacant say Rayons... You know... Rayon rhymes with a crayon. <laughs> you win. There's <laughs> oh, Tom. Hi, Tom. Do you want to go and grab some lunch? Sorry, old man. Take a look at that stuff on my desk. I doubt if I'll be able to eat it all today. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay. Um... Oh, oh, Mary. Hi. How are you? I was just thinking about... Uh, you'll excuse me if I run along. I have a luncheon date. Oh, okay. Don't be late. <laughs> uh, give my love to... Okay. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, can I cuddle up to you for warmth? Sorry, I'm expecting a friend. See you again sometime. Right, right. Right you are. Why do people avoid him? He's young and friendly, and yet you always see him eating a lonely, solitary lunch. Always seems to be alone. Why? I always seem to be alone. Why? Because too often he fails to make a good impression. Because he doesn't realize that every daily contact one person has with another may be a critical moment in both their lives really considered that. I, I guess I do take these minor human interactions for granted. Maybe I could put more effort into every moment I spend with my fellow members of the human race. I've been a passenger, just watching out of the window when I could have been a driver. I could have been a leader of men. I just applied myself a little more. Look out, world. Here I come. You know something? The sad part of it is People with B.O. seldom know that they're offending. That's why it's so important for all of us to play safe. So be prepared for critical moments when you're with other people. Join the millions of fastidious men and women who make a life boy bath their daily habit. So when it comes to movies today, I have three. One, two, three. I've been going a bit Claude Rains-tastic at the moment. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know I was waxing lyrical about Deception, where he starred against Betty Davis. He is so unbelievably brilliant in that film that actually ruins the rest of the film because when he's not on screen, there is a vast and destructive vacuum left behind. And for all their whimpering and straining, Betty Davis and Paul Henry simply cannot plug the gap. So I won't be focusing on that film today. If you remember all the way back in episode 18, I told you about a film called Here Comes Mr. Jordan, where Claude Rains plays the title character, an angel who helps a recently deceased boxer to find a new body. Well, the first film I want to tell you about today is quite similar in a weird kind of way. This is called Angel on My Shoulder, 
and it stars Paul Muni, my hero from episode 20. One of the most searing, most talented actors ever, in my humble opinion. Here, he stars as a gangster, Eddie Cagle, who's double-crossed by his gang and murdered. Well, because he's been such a rat all his life, he of course finds himself in hell, where Satan, or Nick, as he likes to be called, offers him a deal. Who are you, a pal? I don't like pals. We can help each other. Is it a deal? We've got to crash first. I know how. Nick offers Eddie the chance to escape hell and get his revenge on his gang if he'll agree to swap places with a judge that's causing Nick problems back on Earth. The judge, Judge Parker, is entirely too honest, and now that he's running for governor of the state, Nick's worried that he'll crack down too much on Nick's beautiful evilness. Is he the guy you want to get? Yeah. What'd he do to you, send you up? I was sent down. Not up. Hey, this guy's a judge. I ain't muscling in on no judge's body. What difference does it make? It'll serve your purpose. And mine. What happens when he gets up and finds I'm him? When we're through with him, he won't know a thing. Ain't you gonna find yourself a body? Yeah, I'll get one. But you first. You're the important one. Yeah. Don't you forget it. I won't forget it, eh? This acts as quite a neat companion piece to Here Comes Mr. Jordan. In that film, you had Claude Rains as an angel trying to help a good guy find a body so that he can prevent a murder from taking place. In this film, you have Claude Rains as the devil trying to help a bad guy find a body so that he can commit a murder. It's played for charm. This isn't a suspense thriller. The story's fairly easy to predict. Eddie soon realises that revenge isn't what he wants and slowly begins to reform. And the story switches to Nick trying to do everything he can to re-corrupt Eddie and make him evil again. It's really interesting stuff. Also, it does not end in the way that these films usually end. You are left guessing until the final moments as to exactly what Eddie's fate will be. And pleasantly... It doesn't opt for convention. Muni, of course, can play a gangster. After all, he sort of set the bar in 1932 with Scarface. So here, he's all growling menace. He's superb, as usual. Claude Rains, though, is quite magnificent as the devil. And Archie Mayo, who directs this, uses some really well-thought-out lighting effects to enhance his sinister performance. It's quite underplayed, more a low-voiced, malice-filled devil than an out-and-out, moustache-twiddling villain. And a really juicy piece of playing by him here. You'll find yourself rooting for him by the end, which is rather an odd prospect. Unfortunately, lots of it doesn't work. It does take a little while to get going, and it could have done with a bit of a lighter touch early on. Once Eddie's installed into the judge's body, the pace seems to slow right down, but it does pick up again towards the end. Hell in this film is nicely done, though. Very fiery and loud and full of oily muscle men. It looks like a 1980s gay disco, so if you're that way inclined, you may want to keep a fan nearby to cool yourself down. Search it out. It's freely available online. It's in the public domain, so just download it and see what you think. Watch it straight after Here Comes Mr. Jordan and decide for yourself whether Claude Rains was better as an angel 
or a demon. I know which gets my vote. Second film today stars another of Hollywood's great characters, Mr. Basil Rathbone, alongside Kay Francis in Confession from 1937. This begins in dramatic fashion. A famous pianist, Michael Mikhailov, played by Basil Rathbone, is on a date with a musical student, Lisa Kozlov, at a nightclub. As the evening continues, they watch the cabaret, which is headed by a torch singer. Suddenly, a spotlight picks out Mikhailov's table, and he and the singer catch each other's eye. Terrified, Mikhailov hurries Lisa out from their table and rushes for the door, but just as he's about to get away... Michael Mikhailov! Soon afterwards, the court case of the singer Vera Kowalska begins, but while Vera freely confesses to murdering Michael Mikhailov, she refuses to tell the court why. I have nothing to say. You must have stood in some sort of relationship to the man you shot. Something must have occurred between you in the past. If you will only tell us what it was, perhaps we, the judges and the jury, who have to decide your fate, will find mitigating circumstances which will permit us to look at your crime in a different light. Madame Kowalska, it is a question of your life. What do you all want of me? I killed him. Stanton. However, just as it looks as though Vera Kowalska's fate has been sealed, a suitcase bearing her name is discovered in storage, and Vera's attitude suddenly changes. Open that suitcase. No! 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 The client is willing to make a full and complete statement, but only on condition that the court does not open that suitcase until it has heard what she has to say. The judge clears the courtroom and agrees to let Vera tell her story, and from here on in, the film tells her tale, the details of which I won't spoil for you, except to say that this is one of the most heartbreaking, twist-packed, emotional dramas of the late 30s. You really are doing yourself a disservice if you don't search it out. It's wonderful. The performances of Kay Francis and Basil Rathbone are perfection. I can't really comment on either of them without giving certain secrets away, but they are uniformly excellent. Kay Francis, especially, is exquisite as Vera, who goes from fragile to terrifying, from youthful to worn down and everywhere in between. The ending to the film is one of the cleverest and most poignant things I've seen in quite some time, and Joe May, who directed this, uses a breathtaking special effect in the final moments that will have you bawling like a baby. I wish I could tell you a little more about what happens, but you are best off going into this blind, and if me being mysterious piques your interest, then good. Seriously, one of the most powerful dramas I've seen in a long time. Absolutely gut-wrenching stuff and had me in pieces by the end. There's actually a very fine radio adaptation from Lux starring Claude Rains, funnily enough, in the Basil Rathbone role. And I was very close to playing it for you this week. But I really feel that if you're going to experience this story for the first time, then it's best to watch the film because there are some sensational visual touches. It really is worth hunting down. I'll do my best to make it the film club selection for next week so that you can all see it. 
Last up, for anyone who's ever sailed the twisting sea of owning your dream home, Hollywood wrote you a love letter in 1948, and its name was Mr. Blanding's Build His Dream House. This stars Cary Grant, Myrna Loy, and Melvin Douglas, and I kid you not, this is one of my favorite movies ever. For 15 years, I've been cooped up in a four-room cracker box. Just getting shaved in the morning entitles a man to the Purple Heart. Muriel and I have found what I'm not ashamed to call our dream house. It's like a fine painting. You buy it with your heart, not your head. This is the tale of Jim Blandings, played by Cary Grant, who lives with his wife, Muriel, played by Myrna Loy, and their two daughters in a small New York apartment that they've long since grown out of. Deciding that they need to spread their wings a little, and when Jim sees an ad for Connecticut real estate in a newspaper ad, he begins to wonder if living in the country might be the answer. Would you spend $7,000 to tear out someone else's walls, when for a few thousand more, you could find a nice old place in Connecticut, fix it up, and have the kind of dream house you've always wanted? The problem is that they instantly fall in love with the most rundown, ramshackle, piece of crap farmhouse in the district which is about to fall down around their ears and foolishly rush in and buy it despite the advice from their best friend Jim Cole played by Melvin Douglas what do you think Bill steel huh mm, steel's an understatement swindle might be a little more appropriate oh well <laughs> what do you mean Every time you get tight, you weep on my shoulder about the advertising business. How it forces a sensitive soul like yourself to make a living by bamboozling the American public. Well, I would say that a small part of that victimized group has now redressed the balance. What are you talking about? You. You've been taken to the cleaners and you don't even know your pants are off. Firstly, the house itself starts to crumble, so they decide to tear it down and build a new one. And that's when the fun really begins. Not one thing goes right for the Blandings family, from the fact that the house will be on the windiest side of the hill, to the fact that the man digging their well can't seem to strike water, from their doors not opening properly, to their windows being mislaid, from their kitchen being flooded, to the fact that they actually forget whereabouts in Connecticut their house is. You love this house. I hate it. From its rabbited lintels to its zuzzas water softener. Anybody who builds a house today is crazy. The minute you start, they put you on the list. The all-American sucker list. You start out to build a home and you wind up in the poorhouse. And if it can happen to me, what about the fellows who aren't making 15000 a year? What about the kids who just got married and want a home of their own? It's a conspiracy, I tell you, a conspiracy against every boy and girl who were ever in love. There are many films that may spring to your mind when the name of Cary Grant is mentioned, but this is perhaps the quintessential Cary Grant performance. He was 44 when this was made, so that energetic, youthful slapstick phase was kind of coming to an end, and he'd become the suave, romantic comedy star of The Philadelphia Story and The Bishop's Wife, and he was punctuating these comedy roles with thrillers, such as Suspicion and Notorious for Alfred Hitchcock, and Destination Tokyo. The 40s were really a golden age for him, and he'd gone from dashing young romantic lead to genuine movie icon. Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House sees him returning slightly to those knockabout roles he played in the 30s, such as Bringing Up Baby and Holiday and Topper, where he was just as likely to take a tumble as he was to kiss the girl. And for that reason, this performance here, where he plays a handsome, middle-aged husband and father, who still falls on his face and gets the girl, stands out as one of the all-time great Cary Grant roles. 
He's a suave 44-year-old who spends half the film acting like a child and getting away with it. Pair him up, of course, with Myrna Loy at her sarcastic best, and Melvin Douglas as their wisecracking best friend, and you have pure movie magic. The house and the lilac bush at the corner are just the same age, Bill. If a lilac can live and be so old, so can the house. It just needs someone to love it, that's all. Good thing there are two of you, one to love it and one to hold it up. What'd your engineer say when he checked the foundation in that roof? Now who needs engineers? This isn't a train, you know. I just saw it move. One of the most delightful things about the film is that there are no bad guys, there's no intrigue, no suspense, just pure good-hearted comedy. It's basically man versus house, and it's superb fun. I have seen it countless times, and it's so packed with charm that I never tire of it. It bounces along from scene to scene like a space hopper, and you'll find it impossible to lose the grin you'll develop. It also features one of the greatest paint colour description scenes in cinema history. It was remade in 1986 as The Money Pit with Tom Hanks and Shelley Long, which is good fun, but completely lacking in the golden charm of the original. You can't beat Cary Grant and Myrna Loy smack bang in the middle of the golden age where no expense was spared. Even the marketing campaign for the movie was a plush affair. RKO, who made the movie, decided to promote the film by building 73 real-life dream houses all the way across the United States and giving them away in a raffle, which caused a huge buzz. Crazy stuff, and quite honestly, one of the most charming films you'll ever apply your eyes to. Or your ears to. Because this was adapted twice. Radio once by the Screen Directors Playhouse starring Cary Grant and his wife at the time, Betsy Drake, and once by our old friends, the Lux Radio Theatre, who staged a superb one-hour production. So we, of course, are going to travel there now in the company of Cary Grant, who stars here alongside the fabulous Irene Dunn. So get ready to have your home-building dreams shattered and paint colours described to you in all kinds of wonderful ways as we take our seats for the Lux Radio Theatre's first-rate production of Mr. Blanding's Build His Dream House. See you afterwards. Lever Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Cary Grant and Irene Dunn in Mr. Blanding's Bilge's Dream House. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeling. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. No two stars have given so many performances that honestly rate the word classic as Irene Dunn and Cary Grant. And tonight, we've reunited this famous team in a comedy as timely as today's headlines. It's the RKO picture, Mr. Blanding's Bills His Dream House. You know, almost everyone has had a housing problem at some time or other, and the Blandings had their troubles even as you and I. In fact, they had so much trouble, their story became a hit motion picture. You know, you have your idea of a dream house, and your neighbor has another. But one thing is certain. Any well-run dream house will include a supply of the new bath size Lux toilet soap. Whatever the arguments about architecture, most people agree Lux soap is perfect. 
Now here's the curtain for Mr. Blanding's Bill's His Dream House, starring Cary Grant in his original screen role as Jim and Irene Dunn as Muriel. Like millions of other New Yorkers, Jim and Muriel Blandings and their two young daughters are cliff dwellers. Home to them is an apartment. Oh, adequate, but somewhat crowded. Not that Jim isn't doing well. He's a college graduate, makes 15000 a year in the advertising business. Anyway, on this crisp September morning, Jim Blandings has just staggered out of bed and commenced a typical 7 o'clock ritual. You looking for something, dear? Hmm? Oh, you're awake. I'm looking for my socks. Why don't you look in your sock drawer? That's where I found my underwear. <clears throat> Why don't you try your underwear drawer? I am in my underwear drawer now. <laughs> Oddly enough, it's full of underwear. Or yours. Mm. Well, socks just don't get up and walk away by themselves, mm. dear. Muriel, now look. I thought we had it clearly understood that the four bottom drawers were yours and these two top drawers were mine. The closet. Huh? Uh, that's where they are. We put them in the closet. Uh, put what in the closet? Your socks. Gussie and I decided that from now on, we'll keep them in a basket on the shelf. Oh, for heaven's Basket. Basket in the closet. Well, where is the basket? Right there on the shelf, dear. Under my hat boxes in the overnight bag. Oh. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> dear, I do wish you'd try to make a little more effort. <clears throat> well, I'll try, dear. Now, look at that. Muriel, Muriel, maybe if you put the basket on top of the hat boxes instead of underneath the hat oh, now, boxes... Jim, Jim, I... just go out and tell Gussie to give you a nice cup of coffee. I'll try and get the girls out of the bathroom. Oh, thank you, Muriel. I'm sorry. I'll feel better after a cup of coffee. Oh, excuse me, Jim, my face cream. It's in the medicine cabinet. I'll be through shaving in a minute. It's all right. I can reach it. Ouch! Oh, oh. Did you cut yourself? I cut myself every morning. I kind of look forward to it. <laughs> Let's see now. There's Betsy's vitamins. Oh, take your time, dear. I can spare the blood. Why don't you... Why don't you get an electric razor? You can't get used to them. That's silly. Bill Cole's been using an electric razor for years. He hasn't got my beard. Bill's beard is just as coarse and I tough. I am not interested in discussing the grain and texture of Bill Cole's hair follicles before I've had my orange juice. All I said was, why don't you use an electric razor? Because I prefer the clean sweep of the tempered steel as it glides smoothly no over advertising. my... No advertising. Please, please, just hurry, dear. You'll be late for breakfast. Oh, <clears throat> All right, girls. Who did it? Who tore a piece out of my morning newspaper? Well? I'm sorry, Father. It's part of my research for school. Oh, I see. Another of Miss Stellwagen's so-called progressive projects. Now, huh? Jim, Jim, there just isn't any point in sending your children to an expensive school if you're going to undermine the teacher's authority in your own dining room. I am not undermining anything. I'm in the advertising business, and keeping abreast of the times is important to me. Baker, baker, baker. You drink your milk. Every time your father and I have a lively discussion, dear, it doesn't necessarily mean we're bickering. Miss Stellwagen says that advertising is crass commercialism in its lowest form. Oh, oh, she does, does she? Well, well perhaps your Miss Stellwagen is right. <laughs> perhaps I should quit this crass commercialism, which at this very moment is paying for your fancy tuition. Those extra French lessons, that progressive summer camp, 
to say nothing of the very braces on your back teeth. <laughs> Jim, I wish you wouldn't discuss money in front of the children. Why not? They spend enough of it. Baker, Baker, All right, Baker. girls, get your things now and run along. Yeah, let's go, Betsy. Goodbye, Daddy. <laughs> Give my regards to Miss Stellwagon. Anyway, you're still the nicest father I've ever had. I'll get it, Gussie. <laughs> Hiya, kids. Bill, we haven't seen you in ages. Sorry, Billy, we gotta run. Oh, well, good morning. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, just thought I'd stop by and return these sketches, Muriel. Coffee? Yeah, thanks. Now, personally, I think Funkhauser's two or $3,000 out of line. Of course, you could save that amount by not tearing out the living room wall. Hmm? What wall? What are you talking about? Who's Funkhauser? Oh, Funk- Bunny Funkhauser, dear. Who? Well, you know that clever young interior decorator we met at the Collins cocktail party. Uh, you mean that young man with the open-toed sandals? <laughs> what now, about him? What about him? You know how long we've always said we must do something about fixing up this apartment. Well, Bunny has some simply darling ideas. Uh-huh. Uh, what kind of ideas? Well, I didn't want to bother you until I knew whether we could afford it or not, so I... How I... much? What's the point in asking how much, dear, until you know what you're going to get? I've seen Bunny Funkhauser. I know what I'm going to get. (laughs) Well, I think he's got some fairly interesting sketches here. Mm -hmm. Just look at this drawing, Jim. Mm. Uh, Here's how Bunny sees our living room. Isn't Mm. it charming? Uh, mm. What's that thing there? A shoeshine stand? No. It's a cobbler's bench, dear. Oh. You see, the whole room's colonial. Break front, hook rug, student's lamp, pie cooler... And over here, uh, a Martha Washington desk. Hmm. Where do I keep my powdered wig? <laughs> well, I think it's perfect. It's mm. us. Bunny says we're very American, very grassroots, very blueberry pie. Oh, well, don't look at me, Jim. Bunny said it. Mm. How much is all this going to cost? Well, $7,000. $7,000? Well, that includes tearing out the wall, but I quite agree with Bill. I, I oh, don't you do? Well, you're some lawyer, Bill. A defenseless woman without the slightest conception of the value of a dollar asks for advice, and the next minute you've got it tearing our walls. $7,000. I wouldn't put seven cents into this broken-down rat trap. How can you talk that way, Jim? This is our home. Why, Joan was practically born in this apartment. That does not make it a national shrine. (laughs) Oh, now, wait a minute. I thought I was doing you a favor. And you were, Bill. He was just showing you how you could save $3,000 by simply not tearing out the wall. Oh, I could save 7000 by not doing anything at all. Well, then that's that, isn't it? $7,000. Blueberry pie. <laughs> uh, have you seen my hat, Muriel? It's in the hall closet, dear, where it always is. I'll get it for you. Oh, good morning, Mr. Blandon. Oh, hello, Mary. Well, I guess the boss will want to see the layouts on wham hand. They're here on your desk, Mr. Blanding. Oh, thanks. Let's <clears throat> see. When you've got the whim, say wham. Oh, my. For a grand slam in ham, try wham. Oh, Mary, I didn't really write that, did I? A man's got to make a living, Mr. Blanding. Uh, well, maybe Miss Stellwagen's right. Hmm? Oh, nothing. It's just a private joke between me and whoever's going to be my analyst. <clears throat> Mary, tell me, would you spend $7,000 to tear out somebody else's walls? Would I what? Well, especially when for a few thousand more you could fix up a nice old place someplace. You know, somewhere like uh, Connecticut, maybe. Yeah. And have the kind of dream house you've always wanted. 
Well, uh, frankly, I never Mary, had... Mary, get me the phone numbers of a few of those suburban real estate men. Oh, and call Mrs. Blandings. Tell her to keep this weekend open for a nice drive out to the Connecticut countryside. They, they just drove up, Pop. That couple from New York, Mr. and Mrs. Blandings. Good, good. Uh, what place is you going to show them, Pop? Oh, three or four, son. And then I'll show them the Hackett place. Oh, no. Not the old Hackett place. The old, old Hackett place. Son, you ain't been learning much about the real estate business. But, but Pop, the Hackett place, it, it's falling apart. It, it leans. Hmm. Mighty quaint old place, son. Just the thing for the Blandings. We bought it, Bill. It's ours. Well, <laughs> some steel, huh? Uh, steel is an understatement. Swindle might be a little more appropriate, huh? You've been taken to the cleaners, my friend, and you don't even know your pants are off. Oh, darling, I told you. I said we ought to consult Bill before we buy it. Well, what's so wrong with this deal? $10,000 for 50 acres and only 1500 for the house. That's $200 an acre. $100 an acre is standard top gouge price to city slickers. When the natives sell it to each other, it's around 40 or less. 40? Jim! The man's entitled to a fair profit, not 284%. Now, we're going to write this fellow, Hackett, and tell him he can... We'll do no such thing. You just don't understand business. You mean extortion. Jim, dear, now, maybe Bill's right. I, I, oh, I... Now, now, just a minute. Let me explain something to both of you. For 15 years, I've been cooped up in this four-room cracker box. Just getting shaved here entitles a man to the purple heart. <laughs> well, that still doesn't make this Hackett place a good buy. Now, now, look, Bill. Muriel and I have found what I'm not ashamed to call our, our dream house. Why, it's, it's like a fine painting. You buy it with your heart, not with your head. You don't ask how much was the paint, how much was the canvas. You look at it, and you say, Ah, it's beautiful. I want it. And if it costs a few more pennies, you pay it and gladly. Because you love it. And you don't measure the things you love in dollars and cents. Well, anyway, that's the way I feel about it. Well, it's your money, I suppose. No. And when I sign those papers on Saturday, I can look the world in the face and say it's mine. My house. My home. My acres. Our house, darling. Our home. Our acres. It's a windy day, isn't it? Well, this is it, Bill. Hmm? The dream house on Nightmare Alley. And no remarks. The house just needs someone to love it, that's all. It's a good thing there are two of you, one to love the house and one to hold it up. Jim. Jim, look. There's something blowing off the roof. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Oh, it looks like, like shingles. Well, what did your engineer say when he checked that roof? Our engineer? Who needs engineers? This isn't a train, you know. Say, that house is moving. I just saw it move. <laughs> this house has been standing since the second year of the Continental Congress. You take one look at it and shingles start to drop. Now, look, do me one favor, will you? I've got a client. He's a crackerjack structural engineer, Joe Apollonio. Oh, yeah. Now, he... Well, I'll be right back, Muriel. Just, just want to measure that fireplace again. Oh, uh, not that it's any of my business, Muriel, but... Uh... How are you and Jim paying for this place? Well, we're cashing in our government bonds, and Mr. Hackett's taking a $6,000 mortgage. Hmm. Well, it could be worse. 
And as long as you and Jim love it so much... Jim! What's the matter? Where are you? I fell through the floor! Hmm. Bill, I think you'd better get in touch with Mr. Apollonio. That's why we've come to you, Mr. Sims. After Mr. Apollonio saw the house, we got our own expert, Mr. Murphy, and then Mr. Gillis, but they all said the same thing. Yeah, tear it down. Well, as an architect, I'm inclined to agree with them. Of course, you can remodel, but uh, for what it would cost you, why, you can have a fine new house. Hmm, a new house, huh? Yes, something like uh, like this, for instance. Now, in this sketch no, here... No, 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 no. I, I don't think we're at all ready to commit ourselves. Oh, no, no. But if, if, if we were to consider building, I can tell you there's one thing we'd have to have, Mr. Sims. Plenty of closets. Well, yes, if I might uh, make a suggestion... And bathrooms. Each bedroom must have at least one bathroom. You see, Mr. Sims, our problem... I made a drawing of exactly what I mean, Mr. Sims. A little playroom for the basement, you see. Uh, nothing tremendous, just a little something to... And improve. I've always wanted a sewing room, Mr. Sims. Mm. A little utility room upstairs where I could be alone and sew or, or sulk on a rainy afternoon. Yes, but I think I'd better point out... And here out... off the kitchen, a little flower sink with a stone floor and shelves for vases and gardening things. And maybe a little closet. Uh, uh, sure, well... sure. Why, why not? Now, over here... We My can... dear Mr. Blendings, now in the first place, you've got the upstairs about three times as big as the downstairs. <laughs> There, you see, Muriel? It's all those bathrooms. Nonsense. It's all those closets. And by extending the breakfast room, you've eliminated the possibility of any stairs going up to the second floor. Well, no stairs? Oh. Now, now, is it absolutely necessary for each of your daughters to have her own room with two closets and yes. a private yes, bath? Yes, yes. You see, our daughters are approaching womanhood. Uh, well, I didn't realize they were approaching it quite so fast. <laughs> Now, what about that silly flower sink and that sewing room? That I could beg go. your pardon. What we need is a, a major savings. Now, a simple bathroom, Mrs. Blandings, costs about $1,300. Now, if you could do with just no, one less... No, no, I refuse to endanger the health of my children in a house with less than four bathrooms. For $1,300, they can live in a house with only three bathrooms and rough it. <laughs> Look, suppose I go ahead with some preliminary plans and then we can get together in about a week's time. Yes, you do that, Mr. Sims. But just don't forget, we've got to hold it down under $10,000. That, I can tell you right now, is impossible. Oh. Oh, well, I, I guess we're not going to quibble about a few pennies one way or another. <clears throat> oh, by the way, Mr. Blandings, have you anything in mind as to how you'd like the old place taken down? Yeah. Why don't we just go out there and blow on it? <laughs> Bill. Just in time. Muriel and I are going over the plane. In here, Bill, in the dining room. Hi. Well, so you have torn down the old house, huh? The most practical thing we ever did. Uh-huh. Uh, how much did that cost? Uh, well, $1,400. Now, never mind, Bill. I bet we've got the nicest vacant lot in the state of Connecticut. <laughs> well, Muriel, he's done it again. Uh, who's done... Well, what's eating you? What did I do? Now, once, just once, why don't you come to me and find out if it's all right? If it's legal before you run yourself smack into another jam. Oh, Jim, what's happened? What's Bill talking about? I don't know. He won't tell me. All you did was stare down a house in which another man happens to own a mortgage without first getting his written permission. Well, what's that got to do... No. Yeah. Oh. And in such cases, the mortgagee can demand full payment of said mortgage. Oh, Jim. And Mr. Hackett so demands 6,000 clams. Oh, my. $6,000. Hm. 
Well, I, I guess I can turn in my insurance policy. Oh, or no, something. Jim, no, you can't do that. Well, why not? Well, if anything should happen, the children would be left unprotected. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> no, of course you are not. Well, I'll see the boys at the bank. Uh, you can put up your insurance as collateral. If necessary, I'll sign a personal note. Uh-huh. Uh, thanks, Bill. Sure. Well, I've got to run along. Good night, Muriel. Good night, Bill. Uh, I'll let you know what the bank says, Squire. <laughs> what a wonderful friend. Hmm. Uh, what's with all this kissing all of a sudden? He comes in, you kiss him. He goes out, you kiss him. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, just because a man is helpful in a business way doesn't give him extracurricular privileges with my wife. That's a fine thing to say about a friend of 15 years. Well, if he were 15, I wouldn't mind. (laughs) He's 41. Every time he shakes my hand, he kisses you. Would you prefer it the other way around? Uh, Well... Why is he always hanging around? Why doesn't he go out and get married or something? Because he can't find another girl as pretty and sweet and wholesome as I am. Mm. Oh, darling, let's not be silly about this. It isn't Bill that's upsetting you. It's the house. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. Now, Muriel, do you think it's worth all this? Of course it is. It isn't a house we're building, Jim. It's a home for ourselves and our children and... Maybe our children's children. Yeah. Each with two closets and a private bath. <laughs> In a moment, we'll bring you Act Two of Mr. Blanding's Bills' Dream House. Here's our Hollywood reporter, Libby Collins. Libby, I see Daryl F. Zanuck has made another outstanding picture for 20th Century Fox. You mean Pinky, of course, Mr. Keeley. Uh-huh. I don't know when I've seen anything that touched me so deeply. It's an honest portrayal of an American problem. The story of a light-skinned Negro girl who gives up personal happiness in order to aid her own people. Certainly a compelling drama. Jean Crane, as Pinky, has a difficult assignment, and she handles it with great skill. You know, the whole cast seems so exactly right. Ethel Barrymore is superb as the southern lady of the manor. And William Lundigan plays the northern doctor with the authority the part demands. I'm glad to see Jean Crane step into a really mature role and do it proud. A remarkable young star, isn't she? And what fresh, delicate beauty she has. You might call her uh, the Lux Lovely type, Lady. <laughs> oh, not John. But you're right. Because Jean is certainly devoted to her Lux Soap beauty care. And my, she's pleased with that big new bath cake. It's so luxurious, she says. That's just the word for it, Libby. A generous, satin-smooth cake with a flower-like fragrance. No wonder screen stars tell us that now their Luxo Beauty Bath is more delightful than ever. That big, longer-lasting bath cake makes a fine item to put on a family shopping list. And you can be sure the man of the house will like it, too. I just know he will. Men go for a, a bath soap they don't have to coax into a lather. Even in hard water, you get lots of rich, creamy lather with Lux Toilet Soap. It's perfect for shower or tub. So why not let the whole family enjoy this luxury bath cake? The new bath size Lux Toilet Soap. Now, our producer, Mr. William Keeley. Act two of Mr. Blanding's Bills' Dream House, starring Irene Dunn as Muriel and Cary Grant as Jim. a few days later, and in the office of Mr. Sims, the architect, 
Jim and Muriel Blandings hear the latest report on their dream house. To wit, an estimate. $18,000? That's ridiculous, Mr. Sims. Well, frankly, with all those extras you've insisted well, we've on... We've only I... asked for the barest necessities. Uh, never mind, dear. It no longer matters. Now, if you'll just send us a bill for your services... But, Mr. Today, Blandings, now, in the first place... Well, I... in the first place, I'm going out to have my head examined. <laughs> and then I'm going to find the owner of our apartment house and sign a 20-year lease. Goodbye. Well, if you feel that strongly about... I'm afraid we do, Mr. Sims. I'm sorry if we've... Jim. Jim, look. Hmm? Oh, oh, oh there. Yeah. Yes, I, I took the liberty of making a sort of a finished sketch of the house in watercolor. It even has our name on it. Residence of Mr. and Mrs. James Blandings, Shrunk Mills, Connecticut. Ah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Residence of Mr. and Mrs. James... <clears throat> Mr. Sims, do you really think you could keep it to 18000 well, now, well, 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 let's pull up some chairs, shall we? Well, how's it look, Bill? That's some excavation, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, what's going on over there? Oh, that's Mr. Tizander. He's digging our well. Been here since Monday at $4.50 a foot. Yeah, I think I'd better have a little talk with Mr. Tizander. <clears throat> Good morning. Yep. How's it coming? Oh, it's, uh, it's coming. How far down are you? Oh, about 150 feet. Well, isn't that pretty deep? Yeah. Well, haven't you hit anything at all yet? Hit some limestone yesterday. Uh, that's good? That's bad. Oh. And right now, looks like we're coming in some shale. That's bad? That's good. Of course, it might turn out to be sandstone. That's bad? Can't tell. Might be good. Might uh. be bad. Oh, I see. Thank you, thank you. Just for the record, Mr. Tizander, what's happened to the water? Oh, it's there, all right. Just got be patient. And the art department promises the layout's no later than Monday, Mr. Blanding. Okay, Mary, please type up that copy. Right. I'm sorry, Bill, but I've got to work once in a while, you know. Yeah, well, uh, oddly enough, that's why I'm here. You see, I happen to be closeted with your boss about a little legal work, and... He just happened to mention that you haven't come up with one good slogan for Wham Ham. Well, what's he worrying about? The deadline's months away. Besides, you don't... Oh, just a minute. Hello? Yeah? Okay, put her on. Muriel Bill, she's uh, up in Connecticut. <clears throat> yes, Muriel? What? What? Tisander struck water. Mm-hmm. Say, that's wonderful, dear. Hey, Bill, we got our well. Congratulations. Uh, what's that, Muriel? Well, what do you mean we got two wells? Oh. Oh. Well, I'll be right out. Say, how could we have two wells? I can't wait to find out. Let's go. And so it all happened when Mr. Zucker was excavating, huh? That's what Mr. Wretch says. That's right, folks. Why, Zucker almost drowned. So we've hit a spring. A spring of clear, cold, bubbling mountain water right here in our cellar. And I can't pour a bag of cement until the water's diverted. Hmm. Well, hello, Mr. Tizander. Oh, uh, howdy. Uh, you see, Mr. Tizander, water. Yep. At six feet. Yep. And just over there, you had to go down 227 feet to hit the same water. Yep. Now, how do you account for that, Mr. Tizander? Well, where it appears to me, Mr. Blandings, over here, the water's down only six feet. But over there, it's down around 227 feet. 
Yep. You got nothing to worry about, Mr. Blandings. Once we get the pumps here, your house will go up in no time. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Hey, what's happened to that steam shovel? Huh? Oh, well, is something wrong, Mr. Zucker? Oh, no, no. I just broke my bucket, that's all. Oh, you hit a boulder, huh? That's no boulder, that's a ledge. something, Mother? I'll never forget this moment. My family about to cross the threshold of our first real home. I'm sure glad we got kicked out of that apartment. Hey, I don't hear any work, Mother. Oh, it's Saturday afternoon. Only the painters are working. Well, aren't we going in? Oh, no, don't be in such a hurry. You know, dear, uh, Betsy's right. It is a big moment. And I'm going to carry you across the threshold. Oh, Jim, how sweet. Watch that sacroiliac, Pop. It's been 15 years since you've tried anything like that. Oh, that's all you know about it. <laughs> no, 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 not in here. Jim, huh? you better put me down Can't there. you read us something? The sign says wet paint. I haven't touched anything. Your feet are touching something, ain't they? The floor. Oh. I just got through varnishing the floor. Well, put some planks down or something. How do you expect us to live here okay, if you don't... Okay, Mac, okay, take it easy. The Republicans ain't in yet, you know. <laughs> Wait till I see Sims about this. Hey, Daddy, come and see what we just found. The windows. We don't have any windows. Well, we'll see Sims about that, too. What time did he say he'd be here, Mary? Well, I think maybe he's here now, darling. He and Mr. Wretch, I think they're out in the back. Just the man I want to see, Mr. Blanding. He's got a few bills uh, here. I'd like... What about our windows, Mr. Wretch? Well, I think I can answer that, Mr. Blanding. There's been a little slip-up. Oh, the windows were delivered, all right. Only they weren't the right windows. Those windows belong to a Mr. Landings in Fishkill. I just phoned him. You mean he's got our windows? Well, no, Mrs. Blandings. It seems Mr. Landings has some windows that belong to a Mr. Blandsworth in Peekskill. Uh, but where are our windows? Well, as near as we can find out, they've either been sent to a Mr. Banning in Stamford or to a Mr. Ginsburg in Waterbury. Uh, well, uh, how did Ginsburg get into this? <laughs> well, uh, uh, what are we supposed to do, gentlemen? Spend the rest of our lives in a house without windows? Just a matter of a few days, Mrs. Blandings. Now, about that rub-dub water soft NR. The what? Rub-dub water soft NR. Well, now, how would I know about that? Oh, because you've got one, Mrs. Blandings. Furnished and installed for $285. Well, I didn't order it. Well, I'm afraid I did, Mrs. Blandings. You see, to save your water pipes. The plumber assured me that the water in your well is the most corrosive in his entire experience in the trade. Another first. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, send me the bill. You've got it. I left it on the kitchen sink. Well, all right, then. Oh, uh, Padelford's coming this afternoon. Who authorized a Padelford? <laughs> now, first I get a rub-dub and now a Padelford. <laughs> He's the painting contractor. <laughs> Mr. Padelford, I wanted to see him. Oh, 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 well, okay. Well, just get him over here. Uh, Padelford. Get him. <laughs> First of all, the living room here. I want it to be a soft green, Mr. Padelford. Uh-huh. Uh, not a blue green like a, a robin's egg. No. And yet not as yellow as daffodil buds. Uh-huh. Now, the only sample I could get is a little too yellow. But don't let whoever does it go to the other extreme get it too blue. No. It should be just a sort of a, of a, a grayish yellow green. Uh-huh. Now, the dining room, I'd like yellow. Not just yellow, but very gay yellow. 
something bright and sunshiny. Uh-huh. I tell you what you do, Mr. Padelfin. You just ask that man who's varnishing the floors in there to go down to the grocer and get a pound of their very best butter. And you just match that butter exactly, and you can't go wrong. Now, here, uh-huh. the, here's the wallpaper we're going to use in the hall. It's flowered. But I don't want the ceiling to match any of the colors of the flower. No. No. There, um... <laughs> There's some uh, little dots in the background. See? It's, now, it's those little dots I want you to match. No, I don't want those, uh, those greenish dots near the hollyhock leaves. No. No, I want those, those little bluish dots there between the rosebud and the delphidium blossom. Clear? Uh-huh. Now, the kitchen, the kitchen's to be white. But not a cold antiseptic hospital white, you know. No. I want something... <laughs> Something warmer, Mr. Padelford, uh, but still not to suggest any other color but white. Now, for the powder room, I brought you a piece of thread, and uh, I uh, want you to match it exactly, and, and don't lose it. I had an awful time finding it. Now, as you see, the, the color of the thread is, is, uh, is like a, an apple red. It's somewhere between a healthy wine sap and an unripened Jonathan. <laughs> Dear, dear. You'll have to excuse me now. I've got to meet a friend of ours at the station. Hey, Charlie. It's okay, boss. I've been listening. Did you get everything? Sure. Red, green, blue, yellow, and white. Check. Where's Mother, Daddy? I can't find her. Huh? Oh, she drove Bill Cole down to the station. She'll be back soon. Oh. Well, go on, pack another barrel. Help Gussie or something. I just finished a barrel. And look what I found, Daddy. Uncle Bill's fraternity pin and Mother's diary while she hmm? was in college. It's slightly torn. Oh, now that's none of your business. Now, just put that diary down and unpack something else. I'd say Mother and Uncle Bill were somewhat of an item. Uh, people do not read other people's diaries. It's not a very nice thing to do. Oh. Dear diary. <laughs> Tonight, Bill and I drove out to Stover's Point. As we sat there in the moonlight, he started... Holy smoke. Well, the girls are asleep, Jim. Hmm. There's no need to be so irritable, dear. Well, sometimes a man just doesn't feel like talking. Oh, something wrong with the office? No. Got the new slogan for Wham? It's not due yet. Well, you're certainly upset about something. But it, it's just that I don't happen to approve of falsehood and deception. What are you talking about? Oh, nothing. <clears throat> but I distinctly remember your telling me that you returned Bill Cole's fraternity pin 15 years ago. That I... What? Well, did you or didn't you? But did I or didn't I what? Give it back to him. Well, of course I did. If I said I did, I did. Ah, well, then perhaps you'll have the goodness to explain how this happened to fall out of your jewel box. His <laughs> <laughs> fraternity pin. Bill's. Now, what's so funny? <laughs> you. You're jealous. Now, if you were so crazy about the guy, why didn't you marry him? Because I wasn't in love with him. Well, that's not what you said in your diary. My what? <clears throat> well, it, 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 it just happened to fall open, and I, I happened to look at it. It just happened. Yeah, I, I'll just bet. Well, it's all over the book. You were in love with Bill Cole. Oh, don't be absurd. Of course I was in love with Bill. In those days, I was in love with a new man every week. Then why did you marry me? I'm beginning to wonder. <laughs> it is those big cow eyes of yours. <laughs> that ridiculous hole in your chin. 
Maybe I knew you were going to bring me out to this $38,000 icebox with no windows. Or maybe I just happened to fall in love with you, but for heaven's sake, don't ask me why. Muriel. What is it? Uh, uh, what, what are you doing down there on the floor? I'm trying to sleep. The moving men forgot our bed. Oh. What time is it? Uh, half past twelve. Thank you. I guess I fell asleep downstairs. Muriel, would it do any good to say I'm sorry? I don't know. Well, I am. I behave like a schoolboy, and I'm sorry. Jim. Oh, Jim. If you hadn't kissed me tonight, I... I guess I just would have died. <laughs> uh, why do I love you so much? Oh, darling, it's awfully late. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe you ought to go downstairs and lock the doors. Now, what for? The windows are all open anyway. <laughs> Got to get up at five o'clock, you know. I... Five o'clock? But why? I forgot to tell you, dear. The railroad just put in a new schedule. Oh. Well, that that means I'll be at the office before eight. But if, if you get there earlier, maybe you can leave earlier. Yeah, to get home earlier, to go to bed earlier, to get up earlier. So. Jim. Hmm. Yes, dear? Good night, dear. Uh, good night, dear. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. In a few moments, we'll return with the third act of Mr. Blanding's Bill's His Dream House. We always like to tell a success story, and tonight's heroine is Miss Marilyn Mercer, formerly a messenger girl at RKO, and now a full-fledged starlet at the same studio. How did it all happen, Marilyn? Well, I was answering telephones in the commissary when my big chance came for a screen test, Mr. Keeley, and that was just the beginning. Whenever I watch a picture being filmed, I realize how much I have to learn. You had a chance to see some fine acting in RKO's new production, I Married a Communist. <laughs> yes, indeed. There's a tense drama for you, particularly Robert Ryan in the role of a former communist who discovers that he can't escape from the party. He makes you feel the terror of their relentless pursuit as only a fine actor can. Yes, and Lorraine Day brings warmth and understanding to the part of the bewildered wife in I Married a Communist, a most appealing actress. Isn't she, though? She's a favorite with everyone and so lovely to look at. As uh, you might expect, Mr. Kennedy, she's a Lux girl and a very enthusiastic one. Mm, another famous star who finds that Lux soap care really works, eh? Well, now that Lux toilet soap comes in the convenient bath size, she thinks it's more wonderful than ever. And so do I, Mr. Kennedy. The lather's so rich and creamy, and I love the nice perfume it leaves on my skin. That Lux soap perfume is an exclusive blend 
of many costly ingredients. It's like a bouquet of flowers, you know. A light, delicate fragrance that appeals to fastidious women. For a quick beauty pickup, I count on my Lux soap bath. It's so refreshing. Thank you, Miss Marilyn Mercer. And now, a suggestion for our listeners everywhere. Try this fine new product of Lever Brothers Company. The new bath size Lux toilet soap. Remember, it's the fragrant white cake nine out of ten screen stars recommend for top-to-toe loveliness. Here's our producer, Mr. Keeley. The curtain rises on the third act of Mr. Blanding's Bills' his Dream House, starring Cary Grant as Jim and Irene Dunn as Muriel. Well, Mr. Blanding's has built his dream house. And as the Bills and the extras stare him in the face, so does the deadline for a new slogan for Wham Ham. It's now nine o'clock on a very wet night. Jim's at the office, up to his elbows, in slogans. Is there anything I can type up for you, Mr. Blanding? I can't think of a thing, Mary, except probably my resignation. <laughs> well, it sure is raining, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's funny, Mary, how you look forward to little things. Rain, for instance. For a month now, I've been looking forward to the first rainy night in my new house. Uh, big blazing fire. Muriel pouring coffee. <laughs> Me in my new smoking jacket with my pipe and slippers reading a good book. Ah, uh, well. Poor Mrs. Blanding. Must get pretty lonesome out there. At night, I mean. And a rainstorm. Mm. She's probably worried to death about me. Oh, well. Give me some more paper, Mary. Wham, <laughs> and then out you went and bobbed your hair. <laughs> Let's see now. That must have been about a month before you married him. And was Jim mad. Once oh, more coffee, Bill. Uh, thanks. Well, I picked a fine night to come calling, <laughs> didn't I? Rainstorm, Jim in New York. Yes, he's probably worried to death about me. I wonder if my coat's dry by now. I'd look a little silly going back in Jim's new smoking jacket. Oh, I think you look very cute. Oh, thank heavens. Must be the children. Oh, sit still. I'll get it. Coming, coming. Well, it's about time you kid. Oh, you're not the kid. Yeah, I'm Harry Selby from down the road. Boy, what a storm. Just come by to tell you that the kids are safe, Mr. Blandings. Oh, uh, I'm not Mr. Blandings. Uh huh. I I'm Mrs. Blandings, Mr. Selby. Oh, oh well, how do you do? Uh, Mrs. Williams just called my wife to say your telephone's out of order. Oh, no. And they just roped off the bridge at Shrunk Mills. But my children. Oh, don't you worry about them, Mrs. Blandings. They're spending the night with the Williams. Oh, oh well, that's a relief. I was just beginning to get quite worried about it. Well, them. I better get back before I have to swim for them. Good night, Mrs. Blandings. Oh, thank you, Mr. Selby. Oh, not at all. Good night, Mr. Blandings. Uh, uh, Cole, Bill Cole, friend of the family, uh, just came in out of the rain. Uh, uh, oh. Oh, well, good night. Uh, no bridge. How do I get back to civilization? Well, you'll just have to stay here until it stops raining or they fix the bridge or something. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll have to. Well, get out the cards, Muriel. We can always play gin. this one, Mary. <clears throat> compare the price, compare the slice, take our advice by wham. Oh, now really, Mr. Blanding. Yeah, I know, I know. It's no good. All right. Now, here's another. If you'd buy better ham, you'd better buy wham. But it's just like boiled petroleum. If you'd buy better oil, you'd better buy boil. 
Well, it's no use. I can't think anymore. All I've got on my mind is a house with an $18,000 mortgage and bills and extras and antiques and... Uh... Oh, I don't know. I just don't know. You going somewhere? Yes, I, I'm going home. I'm going home to get some sleep. But the slogan, you haven't even got. Well, suppose the... I haven't. This isn't the only job in town. But what'll you tell Mr. Dascom? Oh, I'll tell Mr. Dascom to, to... Well, I don't know. I'll just tell him. <laughs> Mr. Sims, well, good morning. Come in. I know it's a little early to be calling, Mrs. Blandings. I just thought I might catch your husband before he left for the office. Oh, I'm sorry, but Jim isn't here. But come on in anyway. We're going to have breakfast in a little while. Oh, I've already had my... Oh, well, there's Mr. Blandings now getting out of that taxi. Oh, he must be exhausted. He worked all night in the office. You don't say. Jim. Uh, good morning, Jim. How'd it go, darling? Oh, fine, fine, fine. Oh, hello, Sim. Mr. Blandings. Everything all right? Yeah, everything's fine. Well, Sims, what are you doing out here with a morning dew? Well, some extra bills have come in from Wretch, and I don't quite understand them. Really? What are they? Oh, a few of the things are all right, I guess. Now, here's an item. Hmm. Mortising five butts at $1.98. Oh, well, let's not quibble about it. A man's entitled to mortise a few butts now and then, I think. <laughs> oh, and uh, this one here, extra hardware, $9.18. Mm, uh, petty larceny, but let him get mm. away with it. Now, here's one that, frankly, I don't understand at all. Changes in the closet, $1,247. Well, we probably talk... 1200 and what? $47. Oh, that's the end. What closet? What changes? Well, that's just it. It isn't a closet at all. It's, it's, it's Mrs. Blanding's little flower sink. Uh, you didn't authorize any changes, did you, Mrs. Blanding? Well, they certainly weren't changes. Muriel, what have you done? I haven't done anything. All I did was, oh, my goodness, nothing at all. What have you done? <laughs> well, all I did was... One day I saw four pieces of flagstone left over from the porch that were just going to be thrown away. Nobody wanted them. And I asked Mr. Wretch if he wouldn't just put them down on the floor of the flower room and poke a little cement in between the cracks and give me a nice stone floor where it might get wet from flowers and things. And that's absolutely all I did. Mm -hmm. That's all you did. Absolutely. Just four little pieces of flagstone. Did you by any chance authorize a drain? Of course I didn't. All I said was I wanted a nice, dry stone floor, and Mr. Mr. Wretch was just as nice as he could be. What did Mr. Wretch say? Well, all he said was, well, you're the doctor, Mrs. Blandings. And that was all anybody said to anybody about anything. Oh, well, I, I think I can tell you just about what happened. You see, those planks run under the entire width of the pantry so that Wretch had to knock out the bottom of the pantry wall to get at them. Then he had to chop off the top of the joists under the flower sink to make room for the cradle. But all I said was... And then with the added load on the weakened joists, I'll bet he had to put a lally column down there for support. Oh, I'll bet. Lally but it, it was just four little pieces of flagstone, and I only Quiet. asked him... Now, the soil pipe runs under there on wall brackets so that Wretch had to get the plumber back. Oh, oh, oh good morning, Mr. Cole. Morning. Morning, Muriel, dear. Morning, Jim. Well, well, hello, Bill. Of course, they're hot but, in cold water. When did you get here? Right under... Well, as a matter of fact, last night, I, I stayed over. Oh, you stayed over. He stayed over. The bridge was roped off. He had to stay. I slept like a rock, too. Now, just a minute. Morning, everybody. Wow, what a night. I've never seen so much rain in all my natural life. You mean you weren't here last night, Gussie? No, dear. Gussie spent the night in Lansdale. I passed the girls over by the Williams house, Miss Blandon. They ought to be home any minute now. Thank you, Gussie. Now, you better start breakfast. Yes, ma'am. Right away. All right. Now, uh, where were we? Why, uh, with the electrician uh, ripping out 60 feet of armored cable. Right, Mr. Sims? What? Oh, oh yes, yes. Muriel, 
You mean the children weren't here last night either? How could they be, dear? The bridge was closed. I just came across it. It was closed last night. It's open now. Well, uh, if you'll all excuse me, I think I'll glance through the morning paper. Well, I guess that's about the size of it, Mr. Blandings, except that Wretch also had to repair the pantry wall, and he couldn't possibly have broken through the wall without... Oh, all pr- right, Sims, all right. We'll take care of it. I'll admit it's a little steep. I'll uh, try to get Wretch to knock off $100. If I can't get that, I'll get 75 Well, 50 maybe. Anyway, I'm almost sure we can get 25 Well, good day. Good day. Darling, you're upset. You've got a lot of things on your mind. Hmm. Muriel? There's only one thing I've got on my mind. This house, and how soon we can get rid of it. No, that's not what you're thinking. Maybe not. Maybe I was thinking I was once a happy man. I didn't have a closet. I didn't even have three bathrooms. But I did have my sanity, a few thousand dollars in the bank, two children who loved me, and a wife I could trust. That's a fine thing to say. I also had a job at the Dascom Advertising Agency, something I don't happen to have at the moment. Jim! That's right. I'm going to resign. We're starting all over again, from scratch, and without this house. You love this house. I hate this house. From its mortis butts to its rubbed-up water softening <laughs> You know you don't mean that. Every word of it. Anybody who builds a house today is crazy. The minute you start, they put you on the list, the all-American sucker list. You start out to build a home and you wind up the poorhouse. And if it can happen to me, what about the fellows who aren't making 15000 a year? What about the kids who just got married and want... Now somebody's looking in the window. It's Mr. Tazander. All right, Mr. Tazander, what do you want? Well, at least we can open the door. <clears throat> Hello, Mr. Tazander. Morning. Well, Mr. Blandings, there's a matter of $12.36. No. $12.36. Yep. Well, why be a piker, Mr. DeSander? Here, take everything I've got. I'll empty my pockets for you. Take it all. Spread it out amongst your pals. Maybe Wretch would like a little something. Maybe Zucker could use my new smoking jacket. It's open house, Mr. DeSander. Help yourself. Now, now, Mr. Blandings, hold on. It's $12.36. You don't owe me. I owe you. Uh, uh, what was that? Yep, uh, Seems that I overcharged you almost three feet. Uh, it is, Miss Blandings. I think it's all there. Thank you very much, Mr. Tazander. Uh, well, I uh, guess I'd best be going. My, my, you sure got a pretty place here. Uh, take good care of it. Oh, and uh, I'll tell Mr. Zucker about that smoking jacket. <laughs> Darling, what did you mean? We really going to have to sell the house? Oh, I don't know, Muriel. I just don't know anything anymore. In case anyone's interested, I'm leaving for town. Oh, uh, oh, Jim, if you want to count the silverware, I'll wait. Be patient with me, Bill. Maybe one of these days I'll grow up. Hey, what's happened to him? $12.36. Now, do you mind if I say something? You know, ever since this thing started, I've been firmly convinced that you were getting fleeced, bilked, rooked, flim-flammed, and generally taken to the cleaners. I know, I know. Maybe it has cost you a lot more than you thought it would. But when I look around at what you two have got here, well, I don't know. Maybe there are some things you should buy with your heart and not with your head. Maybe, maybe those are the things that really count. Well, see you around. Bye, dear. Bye, Bill. Hi, Uncle Bill. You should have seen the flood last night. The bridge was roped off, Uncle Bill. We had to stay with the neighbors. Yeah, I heard all about it. I'll bet you had a wonderful time. Well, good morning, children. Good morning, morning. Daddy. Daddy. 
Why aren't you at the office? Well, uh, I'm on kind of a vacation, Joan. It's, uh... You mean you got fired? Well, not exactly. I... Yeah, come on, we'll discuss this later. Right now, we're going to have breakfast. Am I starving? What are we having, Gussie? Orange juice, scrambled eggs, and you know what? Ham, Gussie? Not ham, wham. If you ain't eating wham, you ain't eating ham. Now, you kids go and wash your hands. Muriel, did, did you hear what she said? What are you talking about? Gussie. If you ain't eating ram, you ain't eating ham. My slogan. I've got my slogan. Jim, where are you going? Find the telephone desk him and tell Gussie she just got a $10 raise. And so Jim Blandings got his slogan, and he kept his job, and he kept his dream house. If this story has a moral, I'm afraid it's escaped me. Unless it's to always be sure to hire a maid like Gussie. There's much more of a moral than that, Bill. Yes, Mrs. Blandings? I think it's to own your own home, no matter what. Oh, and ladies, you'll, you'll find a flower thing very handy. Now, all you have to do uh, is... Muriel. Yes, dear? Don't you dare. <laughs> and that was Cary Grant and Irene Dunn in the Lux Radio Theatre's adaptation of Mr. Blanding's Built His Dream House. Great movie. Do take a look if you can. In 1951, Cary Grant actually starred in a radio spin-off entitled Mr. and Mrs. Blanding's along with his wife, Betsy Drake, which is well worth checking out. I'll drop a link to it in the show notes. I think there are about 11 episodes out there, and they're good fun. Well, you've been getting in touch in your droves since the last regular episode, whether it's by email or on the Facebook page or Twitter or whatever. As you'll have probably surmised by now, I don't read out your lovely emails unless you've specifically asked me to. Otherwise, it sounds a bit self-promoting and a bit shy about nice words as it is. But you are fan-actually-tastic for taking the time to write. So to the following, imagine your good selves in a long line, hands raised as I dance badly past you, hitting you with righteous 1980s high fives. We'll start with Jason Hatswell. Jim from California. Sorry, I didn't have a surname. Robbie Palanco. Roger Edwards. Jeffrey Morgan. Ivan Moore. Isabel Ann Abraham. Melinda Lizak. MCR. Mason Thornburg. JC L. Sessa. Rick Winters. James Savage, Hugo Clark, Sharice Benton, Katie Van Scoy, Nathan Blackburn, Sparky Wright, Saint Crocoduck, Mike O'Connor, at Apostrophina, Brendan Roberts, Noya Changwa. Down These Mean Streets podcast. Charlie and Scott from The Stinking Paws. Dan North. Queen Yellowbird. And Laura Kinnett. Thank you for the messages and emails. Long and short. Some of them were a paragraph. Some of them were Tolstoy, and they were all gratefully received. So many thanks. To, to carry on with the thanks theme for a moment, a while ago, my wife insisted 
that I put up a donations page on the website, which I've always been reluctant to do because it kind of seems like begging. But she kept on and on at me, so in the end I gave in and put one up on the site. I have mixed feelings about it being there. I don't feel as though I should ask people for donations. It's an odd thing. I feel very cheeky. and I've only mentioned its existence in one tweet and one Facebook post and a link to the donations pages stuffed away right at the bottom of the show notes because I don't want people to think they have to donate or anything. I really don't. But anyway, to my great surprise, people have actually used it and I've received some very kind donations, all of which are going towards the upkeep of the show, I must hasten to add. I know it says you're buying me a drink or paying for my court case or whatever on the actual page. Obviously, that's not really what's going on. A few people have requested that I don't mention their names, but I'd just like to say a special thank you to Ivan Moore, Sylvina Cripper, Grindhouse Dave, and Ian Smith, who between them and the other folks have actually paid for half a year's hosting for this podcast. You are extremely generous, and I thank you most sincerely. Seriously, thank you so much. I have the best listeners in the world, I really do. You're all fantastic people, whether it's emails or likes or tweets or donations or iTunes reviews, you constantly confound me with your generosity, and long may our little community continue. Anyway, back to being all manly again before I get the urge to host coffee mornings and talk about ponies and hairstyles and marriage. I will see you guys next week when I'll be telling you all about one of my favourite series of films. So until then, stay frosty. Bye for now. (laughs) You win. (laughs) As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.